0: You're listening to The Remorseless Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 19. It's Beth. I hope you are doing well. And before we jump into this, I have one huge favor. For those of you that continue to listen to this, one huge, huge thank you. But could you please subscribe and rate this podcast? Okay, we all know fives are great, but whatever you actually feel, I just would really appreciate it. Um, This podcasting world is saturated And it's awesome, and it's a lot of all of the adjective-y words, but, you know, it doesn't really go anywhere unless people continue to show up, which is my messaging, which is like keep showing up on your journey, right? Keep being remorseless. Be living every single day without guilt in spite of wrongdoing. I love talking about all the the wrong things that I've done in the course of my life with pretty much anybody who will listen because, you know what, there's bonding and unity in in, uh, vulnerability, I guess, in sharing the things that... None of us really like to admit to, but we've all done in one capacity or another. And I just really think that we have way, way more commonalities in our brokenness, and our humanity, and our you can't make this crap up kind of life living that we deal with. I just think that there's more to it than differences. And I think that if we continue to show up every single day, not feel guilty about who we are, what we've done, where we've been, um, or, as Whitesnake says back from back in the day, nobody knows where we're going, but we do know where we've been. So, we have to share that. So, I'm asking you guys to please share your time quickly and just rate this podcast. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, this episode, you guys, number 19, I am interviewing Amberly Niece, who is awesome. She lives in Arizona. She's a Christian comedian and also fellow 80s uh, metalhead lover. She shares with me she loves Van Halen. So, you know, I couldn't stop talking to the woman. I hope you enjoy settle in buckle up do what you need to do please keep tuning in keep showing up in your life and remember to be exactly who you were created to be all right let's go Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Remorselessly Biblical. I'm happy you're here. I'm so excited to join you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you. One of the things that I always start off with um, sharing with our listeners and viewers is how we became connected. Because, you know, I'm a big believer in God's providence and people coming alongside one another out of the blue. So we talked about this a little bit. Do you know how, remember how we got connected?
1: So we have a mutual friend named Mark P. Fisher. Yes. And he is—he um, is definitely in your fan club for sure. He has the T-shirt and everything. He uh, super thankful for you, and actually said uh, to me, "You need this woman in your life. You need to connect with this woman because I think you will have more in common than you can possibly imagine." Wow! And I, so when I got to read about you, I was—I was thinking, "Wow, what a compliment to me! Like, what a, what a gift!"
0: Oh well, thank you. And you know the thing that I read likewise about you is that you are an '80s music lover. So that's all I needed to read. <laughs> Boom! You your Red Rider. Are you kidding? I still have hairspray residue from... Aquanet. I know. I, I still have my white snake
1: t-shirt. Yes. Ooh. Except for me, but it's fine. It's fine.
0: Hey, you know oh. what? Uh, me too. Me too. But thank you. Go. You know, I know um, the other thing I read about is you have such a heart for God and for women and for inspiring. So can you share with us a little bit just about, um, you know, what you do every day on your journey and how you came to be a Christian comedian? I'm super interested in that.
1: Yes absolutely well um, the truth is I did not grow up in a Christian home and um, when I came to Christ I, I'm Italian and I'm Texan So this girl can cook and I can tell stories I mean it's part of our you know DNA for sure um, and when I became a believer um, the first couple of years lots of transition because again I didn't have anybody mentoring me because nobody in my family uh, you know believed in Jesus, but I got to watch people, God continued to send people my way, where I got to see how God took our stories and gave them the happy ending that he is, you know, he wants for all of his people. And that to me was so powerful. And so I started just telling stories. So first it was doing women's retreats. And my husband was a pastor, a worship pastor for lots of years. And by default, oftentimes in in church, you're like, well, do you play the piano? And it's like, no. Well, then you're going to have to do the retreats. And so it's like, okay, well, I'll do that. And I loved it. I super loved it. I loved the studying God's word. I loved the praying for the ladies before we got there, the research. I mean, all the things I loved it. And the first one I did, I came home and I told my husband, I was really emotional, really tender from uh, the speaking. I'm sure I was exhausted, but just super tender from what the Holy spirit did. And I, I said, sweetheart, do you remember in chariots of fire? Do you Remember that movie? And he's like, yeah. And I said, do you remember when Eric little says when he runs, he feels God's pleasure. And my husband's like, do you want to start running? And I'm like, no, not even a little bit. Uh, but, uh, I said, I think I know what God has put me on the planet to do. Mm-hmm. And it's to encourage women with his word. And that began journey. So, um, I started doing, I, I still, I've done speaking for, uh, well, just a few minutes. Um, my Van Halen, uh, t-shirt is just slightly older than, uh, than my ministry, but, uh, been speaking to women and because my stories are often humorous, um, because that is kind of the way I see the world. That's my POV for sure. Um, the glass is not half full. It's half funny for me. Like I find humor in all sorts of places. And so um, a friend challenged me to take it to the next level. And so I started, I'm actually on two national tours as a comedian. Um, and that's a hoot. That is super fun because it, it gets you in places I would never be able to speak in before. And uh, it really is an honor to
0: encourage people to get more joyful yeah no thank you for sharing that because the the very first follow-up question that's in my brain right now is was it hard or did you receive backlash from you know joking about scripture like because there are some people right who are very literal and who are very much like this is the authority and it's very holy and it's very sacred and how dare you talk about rachel and leah like you know what they like you talked about their sibling right like i make joke jokes for days about that too i'm like you know what back in the day, right. When there was like multiple women with one dude, I'm like, yeah, your turn, you deal with them. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yes. And, um, you don't look even close to being a contemporary to me. Like you don't look old enough to be my contemporary, but I've faced a lot of, um, opposition for being an outspoken woman who loves Jesus trying to, you know, speaking in churches, I've had people that are like, if the, if the sound person is a guy and he's in the building, you shouldn't speak. Uh-huh. So I started with that. But when I got into comedy, there are always those people that are like, no, we need to be serious about whatever. And um, she, when, in John 1, it says that Jesus um, was the word made flesh. You know, he was the word made flesh and made his dwelling among us. But I feel like oftentimes we misunderstand that part of our responsibility as believers is to enflesh flesh all the things that Jesus is. And I can tell you, there is no way that a bunch of dudes hung out for the, as long as they did. And they didn't joke about gas being passed or like some stuff that we'd be like, Oh, that is totally, but it totally was. There's no way that they didn't, they didn't have this bantering or, you know, whatever. And I feel like that's the part of Jesus that I have the honor to give people that perspective that, man, being a Christian, being a believer can be a hoot. And if we don't laugh about it, we will cry about it. And I don't think if Jesus says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. And that is not just sitting around speaking about theology with one pinky in the air. Like I think is funny. And we need to be able to laugh about
0: it. I love that you said that because you're exactly right. When people are like, okay, back in the day, right? Nothing's new under the sun. And oftentimes when I teach, I'm like, look we are not really reinventing any sort of sin or situation or like life thing that people who came many, many, many thousands of years before us are, you know, also didn't experience. Well, we read about hardships certainly in scripture, but like if we're going to read about the hard human things, there were certainly funny human things. I mean, there had to be, how do you get through a day without humor is really what I want to know as well. And so I love the fact too, I always go to, we're made in God's image. So I tell people, I'm like, there's no way God's not funny. He's got a sense of humor.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, if we were created in His image, uh, if we have humor, it's part of who he is. Um, When when our kids were really small, um, again, because I didn't grow up in a Christian home, I didn't I didn't know about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I never learned all the fun songs or whatever. But we um, got a series of books for our son called Gross Things in the Bible. (laughs) And so we would read like, oh yeah, this guy's guts came out. They thought he was going to the bathroom, but you like all the really like you're like, oh great table talk conversation. But it gave our son this perspective that God's word was um, accessible. and understandable, you know, on his level. And yes, maybe it's base humor, but the truth is it gave him the opportunity to see God differently than Mm -hmm. just the guy that when you open up the book on Sunday, that people talk about the stories about. And I think that that is the truth. When we make people laugh and we invite them into God's story to see things from a different perspective, I think, I think it's holy. I really do. I think it's a holy exploration of things. um, And We get to be the Sherpa, you and I, you know, and those of us who are called to that ministry. What an honor. Um, What an honor indeed.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. So when did you actually come? I heard you say you didn't grow up in the church or with that background. When did you come to know Jesus?
1: Uh, In August of 1980. uh, My parents uh, divorced. My dad was actually a motivational speaker for the New Age movement for a little while. My mom was what I'm going to call a cultural Catholic because she was Italian, you're by default Catholic, you know what I mean? But like she had no faith, unlike many of the Catholics in my life, she had no faith base. It was just culture base. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom and dad uh, divorced. My mom remarried really quickly. That's that's another story for another podcast. Um, and we moved to a brand new state. I knew nobody. I was awkward. I was 5'10 in fifth grade, 5'10. only grown in an inch since fifth grade. So I was like a Yeti, yeah. like <laughs> Sasquatch. Hello, I'm <laughs> in this grade and I was playing basketball. Oh, of course. Yeah. There's okay. One. All yes. right. All right. Just check. Um, of course, with those headbands, you bet Red Rider. I had, had, I had it going on. But we get to this new community, and the girls that live next door to us, who were totally my sister, they are the exact same age my sister and I were. Their parents wouldn't let us hang out unless we went to church with them.
0: Wow. Which I'm not
1: sure is like super great uh, evan, you know, evangelism tool, but it worked. It got our keisters in uh, church. And uh, I remember the Sunday that Pastor Richard Jackson talked about Jesus wanting to be my friend. And there I was feeling so unloved. Even the friends that I had with me, it was conditional. You know, I had to do what they did in order for them to be our friends. And um, he just preached a sermon talking about Jesus wanting to be our friend. And I lost my ever loving mind and thought, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't even really have a context of what this all means, but the man says, go forward. And Jesus wants to be my friend. And so I went forward and it started my journey. And did I take a ton of like ton of detours? You betcha. Um, but so thankful that, you know, uh, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and He's loved me through it. And so thankful for that.
0: Right, right, right. I heard you say that. And it reminded me instantly of your belonging project, because I feel like right when you were that age and you and your sister and you weren't necessarily um, included because you didn't go to a church. Right. And really, like we all do, we just really want to have a sense of belonging. We want to know that we matter. We want to know that we have value, that other people see us and hear us and we belong somewhere and we fit in. So do you think that anything about that experience helped shape your belonging project to find your tribe?
1: Oh, 100%. Um okay. so the belonging project we moved to a new community here as an adult. You know, and I'm I'm I was almost 50 at the time. We moved to a new place. I'm having to find new friends and it felt totally like the fifth grade experience or like the junior high dance where you stand up against the <laughs> wall and you're like somebody pick me please. And of course all the boys at that age are sample size who wants to dance with the yeti, you know, when you're um when you five
0: eleven, 11
1: 5'10. There you go. Exactly. I'm 5'11 now. But anyway, um I start I felt I was plugged right back into that old um stuff and so I started looking at the scriptures like okay so what are some pra- I'm a practical girl mm-hmm. um scatterbrained as I seem I'm su- I love me some practical tools like those practical nuggets and I felt like there were all these this pattern of one another's in the New Testament all these love one another pray for one another confess your sins to one another and found out that there were 52 so there I went a year I don't even talk about this in the book but I went a year that I practiced one for a week, like Benjamin Franklin used to do with the, with the virtues. I would, I would say like, okay, this is the week that I'm focusing on practicing hospitality with one another. This is a week that I'm going to. And so I just started practicing that whole thing and trying to, and the truth is God's word makes us more um, attractive to others. And people were like, Hey, I'd love to. And so I started forging these friendships by doing this uh i don't even know, experiment i guess and then the belonging project was born so it's a bible study a four-week bible study and every day is a different one another mm-hmm. and uh it delves right into that because i think we're all i mean you seem to have a zillion people who adore you but the truth is in january of 2020 i just read this in january of 2020 before zoom fatigue and before we knew that toilet paper was going to be hoarded and all the things 61 percent of americans admitted to being lonely. In January of 2020. Wow. And then we have this crazy quarantine. where in our town for months and months and months, higher rate of suicide than people who died of COVID. Because mm-hmm. people were just desperate and they were feeling so disconnected. Mm-hmm. And so it just put a fire in my belly. I wanted more people to do the belonging project because I thought if more people are connected, maybe there'll be less of this overwhelm. It'll still be hard. But they wouldn't feel like they were alone in their process. And so, so yes, thank you for asking. By the way, nice little segue intro. You should, you should think about, you know, doing interviews and having a podcast, you know. I'm
0: going to sit with that a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to see what I come up with. (laughs) Well, you know, I just, I have learned, right. My whole spiritual formation has been, it's interesting to me. I don't know if you feel this way, but growing up, I was uh, very much a doer. I mean, I still am, Right. But now I actually am okay with sitting still. And when I was a doer, I had, I was like a little bit of a bulldozer. I was like, okay, we're going to do this and this and this and get out of the way. So insofar as I was doing, I was not listening. I I was not hearing people and nor was I hearing God. Like, I just was like, okay, I believe in him. I know he's out there. And it really wasn't until um, personification came my way and I read the shack. Yeah similar to what you said about Jesus being your friend. I'm like, wait a minute. I can go hang out and fish with Jesus out on the lake here. Like, I mean, wait, the Holy spirit can be a woman. Like I just, the personification for me brought me back to my Charlotte's web days. I was like Wilbur and I was in it. Oh yeah, I love it. But, but you know, I was, I was raised Catholic. I am Italian too. So I was, that was interesting to me. Like Irish and Italian didn't have a choice, but I didn't learn the stories. I only heard about an angry God. That's what my ears took away because I'm such a quote achiever. I'm like, wait, I'm missing the mark. I'm not saying enough hail marys. I don't really mean it. Like,
1: I are had a bad thought.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
0: oh yeah. Three okay. and and also though very much a solid eight because I believe in social justice, right? So I'm all about. Yeah, I'm a I'm a three eight all day long, which you is, are a
1: power play all by yourself. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, and also sort of hard to like. I get on my own nerves sometimes, right? Like. It's a, it's a lot to take. And so I had to. um,
1: Julie Andrews used to say, um, I'm so sweet. Sometimes I make myself sick. That's, right.
0: that's it. There's something to that. I mean, right? We live in our own bodies our entire journey, our entire life. So it's like we know better than anybody else. And I'm like, look, I'm turning it down over here. So yeah. it's, wow. it's been hard, but God really has done a work in me to say, you know what? Um, you're not always in control. You're not always right. And you need to take these gifts that I have provided and wield them for good. And I'm like, I want to, but I can't do it on my own. Yeah.
1: Ooh, that is so good. I mean, I can't imagine that probably cracked your world open when you came to that realization. It's probably, it's probably still a process. There's probably still a dying to self every day when you, yeah. when you sit and be, but good for you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. It's definitely a journey. And I just always feel like when you were doing for others, right. That's the gospel is mostly, if not all in action, as opposed to words, I'm a big believer in like your words have got to align with your actions because if not, what's the point, you know, Yeah,
1: faith you know, deeds is dead. I that's mean, it. like it's pretty, it's pretty clear. So, wow. Okay. So I have a question for you. I know that you're, I'm the interviewee, <laughs> but so that. you said the shack, which I super loved. And I was, I'll be honest, I'll probably make one of your, or 27 of your listeners frustrated, but um, when the shack came out and people were like, Oh, I, I it's terrible. And it's, un, you know, biblical or whatever. It's like, when you go to the Getty museum and you see somebody's depiction of Jesus, it's just a wonderful opportunity for us to say, huh? See, Jesus in my mind had longer hair or his sandals were different, or his skin was a little darker or whatever. Like we have this, whatever, but the process of thinking is so good. And the shack to me was somebody's artwork saying, this is how I see the Trinity and how it could be practically applied. I don't think he was trying to say, I'm going to write the quintessential theology book. He was saying, I'm going to do the meology book. This is how I see God. You know, this is, this is one perception and we don't have to be threatened by it. We can just say, huh, how can the Holy Spirit use this book to show me a little bit more of truly who Jesus is and the Holy Spirit and God um, for that one? But my question is, I'm looking at this beautiful um, thing of books. By the way, I love me some books. Yep. And the question is, besides The Shack, are there two books behind you that you feel like have shaped you spiritually more than others? And you can't say the Bible because that's every Sunday school mm-hmm. teacher, street, but outside of that, bring it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So um, Bob Maholland, The Spiritual Journey uh it's all about okay that's a good formation. one that is a huge yes. one for me and also um uh is it Ruth Haley Barton the whole i'm a big spiritual formation person so she wrote um to think about that like spiritual rhythms rhythms it's yes, uh, rhythm. yeah 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 so for me it's about because i'm such a big believer in growth and transformation and not being stuck because mm-hmm. I, I never could understand and reconcile like okay if somebody says the sinner's prayer when they're 12 and they're like i'm in i'll take jesus yes please and then like they just stop like, that's not it. That's not the end of the, like we are growing and changing and transforming every single day to become more Christ-like. And uh, so-
1: He had a good work in us. is going to be able to complete it. We are under construction at all times.
0: At all times. And I think so many people just go, well, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm like, what are you doing with it? Right? Like, what's next? Yes. Those books really yeah. shoot me.
1: Ooh, and that's where your threeness or your eightness actually works to advantage because you can see the power of action. Mm-hmm. You can see- how much we can learn and grow from those things. So that is awesome. I super love that.
0: I do too. Thank you. Also in that book too, the other side of that though, is it also gives me permission to hold space for doing nothing, which I needed to learn. Because again, it's for me relinquishing control and saying, all right, God, like if I'm going to quote allow you, which is kind of funny to say, but if I'm going to truly be shaped by you, I can't be like, telling you what to do. Right. (laughs) What a revelation, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Good luck with telling God what to do. That's you're adorable. You're just as adorable as you can be, but we've all done it. Um, God, I have some suggestions. (laughs) I'm like the, I feel like I'm the, that secretary that tells you, uh, tells the boss, okay, this is so-and-so. And yeah, I, I do that to God where I'm like, um, so I have some ideas. I've just been musing about, at 2.30 in the morning, I just thought I'd give you as if he doesn't know every thought. and
0: Just in case, just in case you weren't clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I want to go back to the, the shack personification just for one second, because what you said um, really helps me understand when I began to deconstruct religion in my life. That was a big deal for me. Um, I left the Catholic church when I was 30. Um, always will be forever appreciative of the sentimentality and the tradition, right? The, the feeling of home. But for me, when I read that book, and people said, again, to your point, that's not holy. That's not right. That's not biblical. I'm like, but wait a minute. If God made me to know him, if he made me this way, and that is how my brain relates, like I've never felt close to Jesus. Why is it wrong? That's what I wanted to know. Those were my questions. And I always will go lovingly sort of toe to toe in a curious, I hold a lot of curiosity in conversation with people to say, why do you think it's just this interpretation? What if somebody else takes this interpretation and it really resonates with them to help them get closer to Jesus? Is the point to be right about these six words in this verse, or is the point to say, I really, really feel close and drawn to Jesus. I want to be in a deeper relationship with him. Yeah.
1: Well, that's so good. I'm with you. I'm I'm absolutely with you. Um, and I think that, um, The inner Pharisee in all of us, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, It's so comfortable to be a Pharisee. Those rules and regulations and parameters are so ridiculously comfortable, but it doesn't mean it's great for us. Um, Years ago, we took our kids to the zoo and um, Mm -hmm. we the hippopotamuses, is it hippopotami? Anyway, they're awesome. I I have to say, I can't believe how dangerous they are. I mean, they literally kill so many people per year. And what a sad death. Death by hippo you know the hungry hungry hippo took her out it was saying but i find myself thinking that's so awesome but when we went to the zoo they sit the hippopotamuses sit in a in a wallow and the guy kept saying oh they're in their wallow now and i was like wallow i know that that's a verb like you wallow in self-pity or whatever but it's a noun and he said yeah yeah it's the it's that you know, ditch that they sit in. It helps them, they get the mud on them and it helps them with um, sun protection. Um, it keeps them cool. It regulates their body temperature. It's so great. And I said, okay, but we're like in a desert kind of area. Where are they getting the water from? And he said, well, you know, obviously they dig the hole and water will form, but mostly it's their own waste. Ew. And I'm like, oh, that is the gross. I w- again, the mother of a boy, I was like, oh, I can't wait to share this information with my son. He's yeah. going to totally love this. However... That's what we do when we get caught up in those rules. We just wallow in our own self-righteousness instead of marinating in God's word and really being open to what he has to say. We sit and it's super comfortable. That's what I said. I was like, they really like that. And they're like, yeah, it's super comfortable to them. It's what they know. And so it's easy to get caught in that Pharisee uh, trap and sit in that wallow in our own stuff. But the truth is God has called us to to freedom and to marination, not into wallow. And um, so it's been a real challenge. but. Um, I can totally see that. So good for you. All right. So those are good books. Well done.
0: Yeah, thank you. I also love um, your pictures that you're painting. I'm like, okay, Jesus, these parables here, like, you know, he's talking about the, <laughs> the the farmers or whatever he's And I'm like, okay, I can see a hippopotami out there, right? Like it's just, it's interesting because people relate to different stories and it's like based on our past experiences. So that is really what I love the most. I think about you, I can picture you being on stage and connecting with people through humor and giving them a different lens to see Jesus through, right? To be like, okay, that's kind of funny. And that's also permissible. Like it's allowed, you know, that's the best part. So you asked a
1: great question earlier about people's um, irreceptivity to humor. Um, So uh, to be honest with you, I feel the same way about my weaknesses. When I first started ministry, everybody who was like any any big deal in the Christian realm, they were like perfect. They were like pedestal, Mm -hmm. You know, esque um, women um, who were teaching the Bible. And very early on, somebody said to me, You know, it makes me uncomfortable that you're so candid about your struggles um, because, um, you know, you should, if you're teaching, you should be the one that we follow. And I'm like, Okay, so yes, I will never be, I will never be a Beth Moore. I'll never be, I mean, there, there are other teachers. I love me some Beth Moore, but uh, there, there are some other teachers. And I'm like, I, That will never be me. I, that's never me. However, for the Thomases. What didn't what made Jesus real to the disciples? Well, it was different for each of them, right? For some of them, it was just watching Jesus feed 5,000. And as you know, the Italian in us is like, my people, right? Right, we feed, right? I don't know why the UN doesn't just say to Italy, take all the starving <laughs> people because we know nobody will go hungry, right? right. Um, so... Uh, you know, that's the, the healings, the, the raising from the dead for some of the disciples, the the apostles, that's what made Jesus real. But what, what made Jesus real to Thomas, his scars, his wounds. Mm -hmm. And if my wounds can make Jesus real to people, like it is scary to share, but it's also worth it because it points to him. You don't, don't follow me. When the apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, I'm like, Lord Jesus, don't even, Listen, believers, don't even follow me when I'm driving. Some terrible driver, don't follow my example, right? But if you can see Jesus through my wounds, then it's worth it. And I think that that's the, therein lies the rub for me um, as a a storyteller.
0: Wow. Amen. And it's cathartic. I imagine, you know, the healing is bi directional, right? Because when we share, we are healing, we're growing, and we are just being vulnerable. And- Our authentic selves, exactly how God created us to be. It's like, why in the world, why else would we go through those experiences if they're just going to be there for nobody to like learn from and including ourselves? That'd Absolutely. be, talk about a waste. Absolutely. That'd be a giant hippo waste, like a big pot of waste out there. So, um yeah, I, I want to. People who are listening are like, you know, I never thought
1: I'd think of somehow some spiritual connection with hippopotamus poop, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> so, praise the Lord.
0: <laughs> yes. It goes on. We're laughing. And I want to just um, let our listeners know not only where they can find you, but can you also talk a little bit about your upcoming devotional? yeah, I'm excited for you. Yes,
1: so um, for those of you who are listening or watching and you've never released a book, it does feel, I used to laugh when authors would say this, but it does feel almost like, Uh, the way I felt when we were pregnant. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got this pending thing and you can't, you have a hard time thinking about other things and it's hard to stay focused. And that's totally me. So I've got these two projects that are actually releasing on star Wars day, which is a big deal in my family. Um, May the 4th be with you. So on May the 4th, I have these two projects that are being released. One is a Bible study, again, a four week Bible study, and it's called common ground. Um, loving others, despite our differences. And it's based on the things we can learn, the lessons we can learn from the sibling rivalries in the Bible. What can we learn from Joseph and his brothers when it comes to living and working and thriving in biblical community? What can we learn from Rachel and Leah? What can we learn from Mary and Martha and Lazarus? I mean, what are the takeaways when we look at, um, and, and it, it's a really, like, it was such a rich study to be a part of. I was so excited to dive into God's word and try to find some real great nuggets. And the Holy spirit was so faithful, tons, 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 tons of good things. And then I have a 31 day devotional and I'm not supposed to have favorites. Cause again, I'm giving birth to twins on May uh, the 4th, but, um, it's called the friendship initiative and it's 31 it's a 31 day devotional, but it's all about how Jesus connected with others. So it's loving, um, loving like Jesus and connecting like Jesus. So it's, it's called the friendship initiative, 31 days to loving and connecting like Jesus. And it's literally how he started relationships with people that he came in contact with. Wow. What How did he meet Zacchaeus? What did that look like? Why was that important? How did he meet the adulterous woman or the woman at the well or the bleeding woman? How did he initiate those relationships? And what can we learn as people who are still trying to figure it all out? How can we invite other people into our world um, using those strategies? So Ah,
0: that's awesome. I cannot wait to read those. Okay.
1: And where can people find them? Amazon is great and actually if you're um, if your people will do me a huge favor if you'll wait until May 4th. I know this sounds crazy, but if you think of Star Wars day somebody makes some doofus Star Wars pun, you say, that's the day I need to, I need to make the purchase because the cool thing about the way Amazon works is if there are a ton of people that buy on the same day, it starts to trend and more people have access to it. And obviously we want as many people as possible to know how to love people better. Mm -hmm. So if you can wait till May 4th, Mm -hmm. I know it's crazy, but then get on Amazon, make your purchases. And again, I would love to have you be a part of it. And then if you get on my website, I often do Bible studies with people. So you can actually do the Bible study with me Um, And we can talk about all sorts of stuff. Obviously, poop will probably be involved because I've said it three times already in this. I don't always talk about waste. But when I do, um, (laughs) I talk about number two like 27 times. But anyway, um, I would love for that to happen as well. And I'd love to encourage um, those that that need a little oomph in Jesus name. And I'd love to be a part of that.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. So May 4th, you guys, May 4th, May 4th, May 4th, we will hop on Amazon, grab your two new um, baby projects. That's what they say. It's a birth baby.
1: Right. Bouncing baby books.
0: That's (laughs) it. it. So you thank you so much for being here with us today. We are encouraged and inspired and uplifted and um, laughing right along with you to become more and more like the people of God. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being remorselessly biblical. Thank you for being bold in your
1: faith and bold in your walk and for truly being a light. Thank you so much for what you do.
0: Okay, guys. So how cool was Amberly, right? Like I had never met her before. And all I want to do is keep talking to her and laughing. And anybody who's a Van Halen fan, all right, like I'm in, I could talk to her for days. What an amazing, amazing woman who shares, like she said, her scars and her experiences and her spiritual gifts. Quite honestly, she shows up She's on stage, she makes people laugh and she brings people to Jesus. So with that, I say thank you again for joining me on another episode of Remorselessly Biblical. Remember to keep being remorseless on your journeys, which means without guilt, in spite of wrongdoing, keep showing up with no guilt, with no fear, with no condemnation, with no judgment. Just be who God created you to be and that is forgiven and that is unconditionally loved. So thank you guys for being here and I will see you next week.